I find that that's, that's quite common where people start to dabble and then realize how much is involved and go, well, there's too much in that. I've got, I haven't got time. I've got my main focus. Like if I tried to be a plumber and do this stuff on the side, which I did at the start, it doesn't work because once you get involved, this is all probably stuff for the recording. Once you get involved in providing recommendations and training and support, you've got to be available for it all the time. So it's not like it can be, oh, I'll just do it when I've got time for it. It becomes all-consuming. Accountants and bookkeepers are now realizing that, yeah, they're not going to be able to do everything and that they're being pulled into doing this because there's all this recommendation about them moving into the advisory space and they're feeling uncomfortable. They're saying, I'm being pulled in so many different directions and I can't possibly do all of these things. You are listening to Australia's tax news podcast, Tax Talks, the podcast for Australian tax professionals. Welcome to episode 229 of Tax Talks. This is Heide Robson and thank you to Class for sponsoring this episode. How does cloud integration work? What does it involve? Clinton Cowan of Tradipad and Jeffrey Artizado of SMB Consultants are cloud integrators. So perfect to ask for more insights about their work. Clinton Cowan sounds like this. I'm a plumber by trade. And Jeffrey Atizado sounds like this. I was running an Apple store when I moved to Australia. I got back into retail, so I was running an Apple premium reseller in Bondi Junction. My first question to Clinton and Jeffrey is how they started. How did they become cloud integrators? Clinton is the first one to answer. And then a mate of mine that I lived with over in Canada, he came back from Canada um, and started his plumbing business and said to me, come and be a plumber. So I did my plumbing apprenticeship and my plumbing trade, but had all of this previous experience behind me. And so moved into business administration. I was helping him manage the business, doing a lot of the paperwork and the admin stuff. And so I was a photographer as well. So my skills as a photographer and digital photography and my computer skills kind of combined with the plumbing trade and the business management. And I said, there's got to be a way to manage this business with less paper. And so that's where the idea, I guess, came from about how do we get rid of the paper, the job cards and the invoice books and the diaries and all of that stuff that was drowning the business. I looked at laptops and software back before the cloud was a thing and before mobile devices were were practical and were, and were happening and it wasn't really quite there yet but then when the iPad was released that was the thing that made me go okay well maybe this is what we've been waiting for we're mobile businesses we need something that's portable that's connected so the iPad was really the game changer that I went and got the original iPad I looked at originally had the idea of putting Excel and MYOB onto the iPad but of course you couldn't do that in the early days so I started to look at apps and I found my wife was working in a, a photography business and managing a whole group of photographers and she was doing that through Google Calendar. So she had each photographer set up with a, a schedule in Google Calendar and she was managing their, their schedule and their jobs. So I took that idea and went, well, that, that works for managing all of our plumbers, but we need something that can do our quotes and our invoices and that kind of thing. And I came across invoice to go invoice to go was in very, very early stages. It was an app that was on the iPad, which solved that problem of us being able to create quotes and create invoices. So I combined the Google Calendar with invoice to go and that got rid of so much paper that was in the business. And this was 
goodness, back in 2005, uh, 2008, somewhere around there. So it was very, very early, but it worked. It was a bit fragmented, but it worked. And it was, it was an absolute game changer. So I then, we used that for a little while and I realized that that was something that, that was working for us and could work for other people. So I thought, well, I'll help other people set up the same thing. So I was part-time plumbing, part-time setting up this same kind of solution for mates that were in the industry locally to me. And that just evolved from there. I then discovered GeoWop as the first, I guess, job management app that combines scheduling and invoicing. And that led me to find Zero. So GeoWop was first, found it was integrated with Zero, And that's what started off the whole ecosystem of Zero, of the Zero space. And then looking at all of the other things that were starting to come out that integrated with Zero. So that's kind of how it evolved. It was yeah, it just kind of fell in my lap. And so then you started with helping mates and then you made it a, a company and called it TradyPad. Correct. And so TradyPad is actually not an app, but it's a service provider, a cloud integrator. Exactly right. So we're a training organization. So a lot of people say, what does your app do? But you're right, we're not an app. We have a bunch of apps that we work with, but we're completely independent of all of them. And that's really, really important because there's so many different awesome pieces of software that are out there that are all great in their own right, but they all suit different businesses. And so that's the first, I guess the most important thing to understand is that the first step that we take with any client that we talk to is to understand what they do and how they do it, and then make a recommendation on what's going to work for them based on those questions and, and answers that we get back. Is the solution you come up with from a trade company to trade company always completely different? Or is there a core that's usually the same for most of them and just a little bit different on the edges? There are some consistencies, but everybody's got their own way of doing things. And every, it's a really common thing. People come to you and they say, oh, I'm different because I do this, this and this. But the core principle of jobs and scheduling and time tracking and cost tracking, people are just at different stages of their requirements and their life cycle of their business and what their priorities are. So what we find is people might come in and say, oh, I just need something really, really simple. But then they progress along. Now they want this. Now they want this. Now they want this. So the core functions are the same, but different people prioritize different things at different stages of their life, of the business life cycle. So ultimately, yes, there are some core functions that are consistent across everybody. But we were just having this conversation this morning You don't want to overcomplicate things for people when they just have a problem and it's a major issue for them. Just solve that problem now and maybe have an idea of where we want to get to in the future. But just don't try and don't try and boil the ocean, but just solve the problem that's that's um, causing the major issues, but provide the education and knowledge to say, okay, well, this is where we could get to in the future and, and here's what the end goal is going to be. But let's just solve this simple thing now with a view to saying, okay, this is what the goal is going to be in the future. Have you talked yeah, about sure. how SMB consultants came about? Fairly similar, I guess, path in terms of timeline. I was running an Apple store. When I moved to Australia, I got back into retail. So I was running a Apple premium reseller in Bondi Junction together with my business partner, Peter. As it turns out, we were using an old FileMaker database to run the inventory there. And it just decided to quit <laughs> with no reason, no rhyme or reason. And the owner of the, the business at the time was like to jump into things. And he just decided 
overnight that he was going to put in a new point of sale system called Lightspeed. Uh, we shut the doors and we just started setting it up. And it was interesting because we set this system up overnight and we started entering in inventory. And this was sort of, it was a point of sale that ran on a Mac and it looked like iTunes. So if you, you go back to like 2008, this was all back when the iPod was breaking ground with Apple and the iTunes interface was sort of the first thing that allowed you to download music and people love that interface. There was a real simple interface. And we put this into our business and everybody loved using it. And it was also at the same time when Apple started to introduce their Apple retail stores and they started to introduce mobile payments. So they really were innovative in trying to get rid of the sales counter and have people selling around the store. So a lot of people wanted to emulate this customer experience that Apple was pushing in their retail shops. So Lightspeed was really one of the first companies that gave people this shiny new good looking interface. They were also one of the first to have the concept of an integrated web store where people wanted to be able to sell the products in store and publish them online. Prior to that, shops, shop fronts were always separate to e-commerce stores. And they were also one of the first to start, start to introduce the Linea Pro, which was this device that the Apple stores were using. So we saw that as a real opportunity where technology was starting to evolve how retail shops were going to do business. Uh, so we became a reseller for Lightspeed and we started offering that just to retail shops. A lot of bike shops, homeware giftwares, clothing shops, kids clothing, and just started really as just offering point of sale. And I guess how that evolved and how our two, two worlds began to meet was that in 2008 is when the iPhone got launched. We did the iPhone launch and then soon after was the iPad. And it was the timing of the iPad and the accessibility of the cloud that made us look at other products because Lightspeed at the time was server-based, it was Mac-based. And then there became new products that were cloud-based and we started to see, well, what sort of use cases where would this really be applicable? You know, like people that do trade shows, people that do mobile pop-ups. And so it led us to other products that were cloud-based, like Vend point of sale. And soon after that, we realized that Vend could integrate to packages like Xero. And we saw the benefits that a business could get from integrating the point of sale to the accounting package. Because traditionally, people had always been doing a lot of double entry. That was just the way that you got information into the accounting package. And when we saw the way that these two packages could streamline a business and reduce double entry, we knew that, there, that this was going to be a benefit to most businesses. So we invested our time in becoming a zero partner. And much like Clinton, we started to curate and find different apps that a business would need to run their business. So it started with point of sale, then it became accounting, then it became e-commerce. We found loyalty systems, scheduling systems, and we, we started to curate these apps based on the needs that we were coming across, the more businesses we became exposed to, the more requirements we came across. And I guess where our paths crossed was Apple actually recognized that Clinton was doing a similar thing to what we were doing in retail. And they were looking to for us to tell a story. And it was really at an event that Clinton and I were both invited to, to present. I think it was to Telstra at the time, mm, wasn't it? It was yeah. Telstra. Telstra. Yeah. Because we were doing a similar thing. We had both sort of gone down this path of finding apps that 
business is needed in our respective verticals. And just naturally, we're doing the same thing, but just in different verticals. And Apple helped coordinate us to do a presentation to Telstra that would show people how the iPad was becoming a new innovative business tool using integrated apps. And that was 10 years ago? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was. 10 years ago. Yeah. And so it was really interesting that even 10 years ago, we were already vertically focused and we had already sort of naturally started along this path of having a very similar business model of being this central point of information for businesses in a particular vertical and to help them navigate their way through all the different apps that could be used and implemented to solve different parts of their business. It was, I'll add something else in there. It was a bit easier in the early days because there was a limited number of options that were available. So it was really showing a business, well, here's what we have available and here's what it does. Is that going to work for you? But Do now, you yeah, exactly. But now we, we have this situation where there's software coming out of our ears and like I said before, they, they're all great, but the challenge now is keeping up with what they all do differently and what they don't do, I think is a really important one of knowing what a piece of software can't do in comparison to other things so that you know which one to recommend and which one not to recommend. Yeah. And I think over time, over 10 years, every piece of software improves Yeah. so that the, the overlap and the similarities of what these software packages do is, is even more so. Mm. And so the differences become even more subtle and the end users demand even more. They expect a lot more. So in the early days, yeah, it was a lot easier. People were just excited by the fact that they could integrate. That was the magic trick. But now people actually expect a much deeper integration. And, and I guess that's what's, it's that innovation in technology and that shift towards a decentralized model of apps that we sort of pioneered in the yeah. early days and we helped educate. And that even the term cloud integrator, which today is, I'd like to say is common knowledge, was not even a distinction of a type of integrator that existed five years ago. In fact, I had a client yesterday who came in and she has a business that she wanted to start a B2B portal, business to business online portal. And she went to her web developer because her way of approaching that problem was to go to somebody that had web experience and build it off of a Shopify backend, which isn't necessarily wrong, but to her benefit, she actually went to a partner that we work very closely with and they knew and understood that while they could solve the problem from their point of view, they had a better knowledge of the big picture, knowing that a cloud integrator existed and he, they actually referred her on to us. And we were able to provide her with a solution that she didn't even know was available, right? And she said, you know, had I, I didn't even know that consultants like you even exist that there are cloud integrators, right? I just thought to go to my web developer and I'm so happy that I did because otherwise I may have ended up with the wrong solution or a solution that wasn't the best fit. And so I think one of the things where, how we've evolved is trying to advocate to business owners that there are different service providers that bring to the table a specific set of skills. And that now if you look at the trifecta that we try to build is, us as cloud integrators, looking at the operational, whether it be inventory management or job management systems, 
Then you've got your financial advisor, your accountant, your bookkeeper, your CFO. And then in our case, we've got a web developer, a web designer, or, or online marketing. And it's those three sort of service providers that form a team of consultants that should be advising businesses on what is the right solution. Sometimes you run into issues where I've had a client come to me and say, my accountant advised against using Zero on the basis that Zero can't handle our inventory. We get the same thing all the time. It can't handle the my costing of my projects. Right. And so the advice isn't incorrect from their point of view. But the conclusion is wrong. Correct. Yeah. So that, that that's just one example of where, you know, I think that the software is evolving now that the solution is actually how everything works together. And so therefore the people that are experts in those areas of this solution need to work together to achieve the best result. Yeah. Otherwise, everybody's trying to solve the problem at different ends of the candle. You mentioned three people involved there. We're starting to find a fourth party that's getting involved with business coaches. Business coach, yes. We get a lot of business coaches that are that are bringing clients to us, whether it's a bookkeeper and account or accountant. There's the client, there's us, there's a business coach, and that consolidated approach and that a consolidated group of advisors just turbocharges a business like you wouldn't believe. If it's done right, and I guess, I mean, this is maybe a segue into what is SIP, right? I think one of the reasons why we created Cloud Integration Partners is that we realized that the term cloud integrator is not common knowledge. I mean, it's easy to for a business owner to say, I need an accountant and I know what an accountant does and I know how they charge for the services and I know what they're going to deliver. But when you talk about a cloud integrator, it isn't common knowledge yet for the average business person. They don't know what we offer. They don't know what problems we solve. They don't know what we charge, how, we, how to engage with us. What we do with cloud integration partners is educate bookkeepers and accountants about if you are going to, or here are some options and Zero laid this on the table with their playbooks that were released a little while ago. The options are as a bookkeeper and accountant, as a Zero partner, you've got some options of being a level one, a level two, or a level three app advisor. A level one app advisor works in conjunction with a cloud integrator where it's a team effort. A level three app advisor is someone that's actually doing the cloud integration. And in between there and level level two, there's a bit of- They do the implementation, but they don't provide the, this ongoing support. Spot on. And so what we're doing with our app advisory certification camps is exploring those different options and saying, if you're going to be a level three, here's what's involved because we came to the conclusion very early on, it's not something you can do part-time. If you're going to be a cloud integrator and provide the cloud integration services, it's a full commitment because once you, especially within trades and construction, once you put a system in place in somebody's business, you become a partner with them that is a point of contact for support as they grow, as they evolve, there's changes that go on. Essentially, you're like their IT department. So it can't be a part-time thing. It's a commitment if you're going to do it properly. And if you don't have the time, the skills, the inclination to do that full commitment and be a level three, the option is to partner with a cloud integrator 
and work in conjunction as a team. And so I guess that's what we're exploring in our camps is these are the options, here's what's involved, and now it's up to you, Mr. Bookkeeper or accountant, to make the decision on what are you going to do. And if you want to go down that path of partnering with somebody, here's how we can work together. Two more questions. The first one is, is it fair to say that 10 years ago, it was very much, here's light speed, do you want it, yes or no? And then the big hurdle was basically implementing it because I can imagine 10 years ago, the implementation of these softwares was very clunky. The integration for joints weren't well designed, etc. So I can imagine the integration was quite difficult. And so that was the focus. Yeah. And I think that has changed very much that now the big hurdle is to pick the right apps, to map out the processes in the right way and to understand exactly what is needed, where the actual integration then is actually quite click and plug together. Is that a fair comment? Well, it is in a sense that most people think that the integration, there's two sides to it. There's the way that you actually connect it, which is very quite technical and you can do from a manual, but it's more so, I think what we do as consultants, as cloud integrators, is actually assessing what is the right workflow. The most difficult part of what we do is the change management, right? So the reason why we do scoping sessions is that, I'll give you an example. Yesterday, I did two scoping sessions with two furniture companies. And actually on paper, they look almost identical. They have warehouses, they have online, they have the same turnover, they're selling furniture. I mean, the actual business profile is very similar. The recommendation for both of them was completely different because aside from the technical requirements of what they were looking for, inherently what's different about the two businesses is what tools are they currently using? How are they actually using them? What are the problems and, and the things that they're trying to improve? And what's their appetite for change? Those things are actually completely different within the business and are separate from the actual business profile. So I think that's the reason why we go through this more consultative process of doing a scoping session, because we really need to talk to the business owner to find out what's important to them. We can't really just make a recommendation based on a, a type of business and a, a turnover and number of staff. And there's also an element of education, a large element of education that's involved in a scoping session It's not just a chance for us to understand what the business does and how they do it. It's a chance to start to talk about this is the way that technology can work and the benefits that it can bring and the changes that it can bring. But this is why you would do it because it's really important to get that buy-in from people to say, you know, especially within trades and construction, if I keep doing what I've been doing for the last 20 years, I'll probably survive. But if I make some change, this is the benefit that it's going to bring. So it needs to be... So there needs to be some education so they can make that decision that, yep, I'm ready to change and here's how it's going to work for me and what my business is going to look like. So that, that education piece in the scoping session is absolutely critical, both for the client and also for our partners, for bookkeeping and accounting partners, because we're sometimes looking at it from a different side to say, well, this is how you're doing the accounting and the reporting now, but here's what's possible And here's where the data is going to come from. And here's what can be collected, which can change the way that our partners look at the relationship with the client and what they can provide. Because it's it's all about, okay, what are the advisory services I can provide as their financial advisor within the business? And how am I going to provide that? Yeah. And so to answer your question as well, like one of the businesses yesterday, he had some specific questions from his accounts department to say, will this software generate these reports? 
And the reason why I could scratch beneath the surface to understand why, because they were traditionally used to running reports so that they could get the information they needed to journal it into the accounting file, right? And so this was a classic case of the business trying to look at their existing workflow and not understanding that integration would change the workflows. So to answer your initial question, the setup of the hardware now is, is quite straightforward. And yes, creating an integration and mapping it is fairly simple and can be done from a manual, but the workflow and the effect and what is going to be the correct workflow moving forward, the client understood after the scoping session that that is something that we would be addressing proactively, not reactively. It's easy to go in and just connect to connection. In fact, they were using a piece of software that could integrate to zero, but their accounts team made a conscious decision not to integrate it to zero. And my first question was why? And it's only because they were traditionally used to journaling everything in. This is something that we always do proactively is try to look at, well, how do they currently work? And maybe they're just not, they have no way of knowing, well, there's a, there's a way to integrate that's going to change the workflow and provide efficiencies and make them allow them to save time in double entry. So we explore those things now. And I think that that is what is creating still a, a need for a cloud integrator because a lot of the support that they'll receive from the software vendors, they'll support the integrations, but to a point, right? They're not going to go in to the zero file and help them do reconciliations or give them advice on how to set up company structure or any of those type of things. Those are things that sort of fall outside of their support requirements. Last question. Do you find that clients often come to you and they think they need help with one certain problem? And then it turns out that the, the problem is actually much wider and a lot more needs to be changed and streamlined than they originally thought. Do they come to you already quite open, realizing they really need to change things? Or is it that you still have to do a lot of persuasion to open the mind to be ready to make changes? It varies. We traditionally, clients have come to us with an issue. So there hasn't been a lot of people where they haven't been ready for change. They, they've come to us because they know that we can provide a solution and we can help. So those people are already thinking the right way. They're prepared for some change and so they're, they're open-minded, but there has been the odd occasion where a client has been brought to the table not understanding what we do or why we do it. They're just coming along to the meeting because they've been told to and, they've, and they're quite close-minded. And so that can be quite a struggle to explain why are we here? Why are we having this conversation? My business is fine. There's nothing wrong with it. Why would I change anything? But once you start to explore and explain the benefits and maybe improvements that other clients have had or other people in their industry have had, they do start to think, well, okay, there are some some improvements that can be had here. What was the first question? Whether they often come in with thinking they need to yeah, change one little bit, but then it actually turns into a major operation. Yeah, that happens quite regularly because they only know what they know. They think, well, we had a discussion this morning about a client that wanted a solution for a paper form. So they were doing excavation work and they have a docket. They have a form paper docket that gets filled out by the operator of the piece of machinery every day. They fill out the docket with time they were there, what they use, some notes. The question was, okay, can we make this piece of paper electronic? Absolutely. 
we can solve that problem. But have you thought about maybe that time that's being recorded then being integrated to payroll and the time that's recorded maybe going against a job or a project to keep a track of the billable hours that can then make invoicing an absolute breeze. So once you start to think or explain what's possible, then the mind starts to open. And some people say, and going back to what I said at the start, some people don't want that. They go, no, 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 I, I haven't got the headspace for that. Let's just solve this problem. And so it varies depending on the person's stage of technology adoption and tech savviness. I think a big difference between our businesses with SMB Consultants and Tradypad is that our typical clients, our tradies and our business owners haven't used computers because it's not been practical for the trades and construction industry. Laptops and desktops were not practical in the field and so they've never been used. That's why paper is still so prevalent. It wasn't until the mobile devices and the cloud-based software and the internet connections came about that the technology is actually applicable for the industry now. Whereas with bricks and mortar stores and e-commerce and whatever, computers and laptops and desktops and computers and software have been around for decades. And so it's not that bigger progression or leap for a business that's in that space to move to the cloud. Whereas for our typical clients, it's a big jump. They're going from pen and paper to cutting edge technology. So it can be a bit of a transition period. I think most people are still driven by pains in their business, right? Like, I mean, small business owners, if things are running smooth, then they focus on the things that are causing them issues. So I think it's still similar that there's, they're all driven by something that is they want fixed. But to answer your question, we often as consultants, and because we are business owners, we love to look for all areas of that we can make a business more efficient. And they often are quite, I guess, relieved when they are able to speak to somebody about their business as a whole, right? Because we start to uncover things that are actually really problems for them, but they never thought about talking about when they came into the office. So an example with a client just yesterday, she had a cloud-based inventory management system that was already integrated to zero and working well. Her pain points were related to all of the sort of outside add-ons. So her pick, pack and ship and fulfillment was a pain point for her. The ability to do an EDI integration down the track. Sorry to butt in. Later on, I asked Jeffrey, what is an EDI? What is an EDI integration? I've heard that before and I looked it up once, but I've forgotten. Electronic distribution interchange, I'm okay. guessing. <laughs> I don't actually know what the... Uh, the well, but if right. I explain what it is, when you have a supplier, for example, like David Jones or Meyer, ah, yes. and they use their own proprietary system, and it's a way of them creating an integration to your system to streamline and reduce the double entry. So when they want to place an order, David Jones has their own system, so they're not going to switch systems. They want to be able to place an order in their system and, and it be essentially integrated with your system to streamline and reduce double entry. So EDI stands for Electronic Data Interchange. Back to Jeffrey. The ability to do an EDI integration down the track because that was on the horizon in terms of her growth plans and also uh, her forecasting. These were all things that are sort of add-ons that could be added to the inventory management system that were the pain points. Uh, and also, sorry, one other thing we discussed was payments. 
her ability to take payments effectively and frictionless and solve her reconciliation problem. So she came in here thinking she was going to talk about the inventory management system, where we opened up the conversation about all these ancillary things that were little problems that were adding up to be big problems. And she was so relieved to know that there was somebody that could talk to her about her business as if we were the business owner and to work through those issues, because these were the the little, we call them one percenters or quick wins. If we can at least have a discussion about where the business wants to end up, but just focus on the one percenters or the quick wins that we can solve for the business owner very quickly. If we do those things from the get-go and make decisions that are gonna point them in the right direction of where they wanna be, then that's generally how most business owners will want to work. They'll wanna work towards the right end goal and solving the biggest problems that they can that are gonna free up the most amount of time and resources. So I think to answer your question, yeah, most people come in with a specific problem, but then they walk out at least having a conversation, understanding what are the things they need to prioritize to get them moving forward. That example I gave of the form, that particular client also mentioned he was having, or we asked the question about email, how do you manage your email? Because we're talking about emailing the dockets to the client. And he said, oh, my email, that's a nightmare. I share the same email address with my wife and it's personal and it's business and it's just a great big old mess. And we said, oh, we can help you with that. And he didn't realize that. He didn't realize that that was something that could be solved. It was a massive issue for him, but he'd never considered it like Jeff just mentioned. So it, it just comes down to that opening of the mind and, and the communication about all the different things that are possible to understand, okay, what are going to be the priorities? Welcome back. So cloud integration is far reaching. It covers everything and everybody. It doesn't mean you need to change everything at once, but cloud integrators can give you a roadmap and do the integrations you need right now. And cloud integration involves quite a few people, a lot more than I thought. It involves your client, of course, it is their business, but it also needs your input, you as their accountant, bookkeeper, financial advisor or CFO. And if the business is around e-commerce and online marketing, the web designer also needs to be involved. And Clinton also mentioned the business coach. If the business has a business coach, the input, of course, is needed as well. So you're already talking about at least five people who are involved. After the interview, I asked Clinton and Jeffrey more about their cloud integration partners venture, SIP in short. Clinton and Jeffrey mentioned SIP a few times when they talk about cloud integration. So I asked them, what is SIP about? And how can it help you? So Cloud Integration Partners was not just a way to provide a community that allows us to educate business owners, but also accountants and bookkeepers in terms of, well, what role do we play? How do we add value to their businesses? And what is the actual process in terms of working together so that we can mutually benefit from working together with a client? Because I think the initial knee-jerk reaction was that we would be competitors to accountants and bookkeepers. And that's absolutely not the case. Never been the case. Yeah. So we needed a way to be able to educate the channel in terms of, well, how does this new breed of consultant work? And by the way, what we're trying to do is to educate the entire ecosystem. So anybody that puts up their hand and saying they want to be a cloud integrator will have 
a sort of, I guess it'll be assumed that they're going to do a scoping session, like as an initial assessment. That should be common knowledge that a cloud integrator, that's their tool to engage with a new client, whether you call it a scoping session or a health assessment or, you know, a needs assessment. This is all common knowledge that we're trying to educate people on so that they know what to expect with the cloud integrator. So is it that Trady Pets and SMB consultants are actually cloud integrators are providing cloud integration services, but cloud integration partners is like the academy where others can go to learn from you and to become also cloud integrators? It's a partner program, first and foremost. So we knew that we needed to consolidate bookkeepers and accountants that were interested in um, benefiting from a partnership with cloud integrators. So first and foremost, it started out as a partner program to build a community of people. But how it evolved is it became an education platform, mm. right? We started to develop training workshops so that we could train our partners and elevate them and teach them. And so accountants are your partners and then they get trained by you. And then the end result is that they better understand what cloud integrators do or they actually become cloud integrators. We give them the ability to make that decision because I think we've got to answer that first question. Is Cloud Integration Partners an academy for people to come to to learn to become how to become cloud integrators? Not so much, but what we'll do is highlight what's involved in being a cloud integrator because our businesses have evolved over 10 years. And so you can't share that amount of knowledge on here's how to be a cloud integrator in a one-day or two-day course. It's something that the knowledge that we've gathered about all the different software products and what they do and how they work, that's not something that's easily shared. We've come across that issue with our teams internally. The minimum, the workshops aim to improve the understanding of what cloud integrators do so that, that the cooperation between accountants and cloud integrators is a better one. Correct. Well, I guess when we first put together cloud integration partners, the initial reaction was that it was a referral program. And a referral program is a traditional model of accountants saying, oh, I think that this is a client that I can't manage and I'm going to pass them on to you because I think that they're a better fit for you. And that was the initial sort of reaction because that, that's what was accepted in the marketplace. And that's what the software companies were promoting. Correct. So I've got a piece of software, let's have a referral agreement in place. You refer customers to me and we'll take care of them. What we were trying to advocate was not a referral program, which is just a one-way sort of interaction, because unless there's a mutual benefit in people working together, there's, there's no real ongoing reason for that to occur, right? So we decided that we need to be able to educate people and scale and promote more of a relationship. So we have this concept of a GP and a specialist, right? That a GP is somebody that is responsible for the main health and well-being of, of their patient. So that would be the accountant? The accountant, that's right. And they're able to address initial symptoms. People come in and they, they have uh, symptoms, they do their initial checks, they might do blood work. But there's when they come across things that are outside of their scope of work, they have a network of specialists that they rely on to refer them on to. And the relationship of the GP and specialists is that they work together on trying to determine what is going to be the best recommendation for the client. Specialists don't work independent of GPs. They only work on a referral basis. And together, they work together to make these recommendations because it's impractical for a GP to think 
that they can know everything and make recommendations across all the things that they come across. And mm. that's the reality of the ecosystem today is that it's not really practical for somebody to think, well, I'm going to be a cloud integrator and I'm going to know all 800 apps in the ecosystem. That's not practical for anyone. And once they realize that, then they really have to make a decision to say, well, what apps am I going to be an expert on and own and call myself a level three cloud integrator? And what apps are outside of my scope and my resources? And I'm gonna rely on building good solid relationships that I can refer them on to, right? Mm -hmm. And then if they decide and they find people that can help complement their services, then well, what is the way that we work together? I mean, there's a very distinct way that GPs and specialists work to achieve a good outcome, but that really hasn't been determined in this field, right? In, in between an accountant or bookkeeper and a cloud integrator. So that's sort of what we're aiming to do is how do we work together? I mean, if you bring to the table a specialist set of skills and services, and so do we, how can we combine those and work together to provide a better outcome to the client? And I think that's where we're breaking new ground is that accountants and bookkeepers are now realizing that, yeah, they're not going to be able to do everything and that they're being pulled into doing this because there's all this recommendation about them moving into the advisory space and they're feeling uncomfortable. They're saying, I'm being pulled in so many different directions and I can't possibly do all of these things. So when they find somebody like us that says, we want to work together with you. We think that you are quintessential to us doing well as well to a partnership. How do we actually develop that? How do we nurture that? And that's what our program is doing. Our programming is putting accountants and bookkeeper through a program that's allowing them to see how they can leverage a partnership with cloud integrators. And I guess at a higher level, it's also introducing the benefits of the technology because a lot of these things are new. We've got a lot of a lot of people that have only been exposed to say zero and maybe some of the basic apps. So we're bringing into the discussion other apps that are available that that help the specific industries and, and what they do and how they're beneficial so that they can see the bigger picture of how all these things fit together. Welcome back. In the next episode, episode 230, Jeffrey and Clinton will talk about how to scope your app structure. Until then, thank you for listening and thank you to Class for their support. Bye for now and see you in the next episode. <laughs>